Welcome to the M3 Bear Essentials Podcast. My name is Malcolm Travers. Each Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern, I host a YouTube live broadcast and invite the editors and contributors of Mail Media Mind to present a topic of their choosing. We discuss politics, social issues, especially those facing the black and LGBT communities, entertainment, mental health, sexuality, and relationships, or whatever makes the news or makes us mad. View the show recording live to ask questions or comment in the chat. Subscribe to M3 on YouTube to get a notification when we go live. You can find links to our YouTube page and other social media platforms at mailmediamind.com. Now, enjoy the show. All right, everybody, welcome to the M3 Sunday Hangout. All right, yay! I'm your host, Derek Anthony, and please forgive us for our tardiness. I am doing uh, by myself for the first time today. And uh, if it's not an email, I generally need a young person to come help me. (laughs) All right. Mel Media Mind, grassroots organization, the love and embodiment of the bear, black bear community, um, lots of discussion, and our show today, Sexuality, How Can I Be Me? Mm. A couple of questions. Uh, but before we get deep into that, I want to introduce our illustrious ensemble today in no particular order whatsoever. We have uh, Lonnie. Hey, guys. Uh, Okay. We have. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, everybody. How you doing? Make sure we have Xavier. Hey, how are we? Okay. And I am Shaka. Hello, everybody. And we have Jay. Our special guest. Our special guest. Say hello, Jay. He might be having some technical difficulties. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, has everybody had a good weekend so far? Are we good? Everybody had a good weekend? Yesterday was free comic book day. And uh, also, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 came out this weekend. So my geeky ass <laughs> um, fully enjoyed myself. You know, I was fully able to kind of dive into my geekiness, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy, picking up a whole bunch of free comics, you know. And oh, yeah. And also, we had like a little um, bear leather night at our local gay bar last night. Ooh. It was a beer expo. So. So what was it like other than attire? Is it like a... Josh Strass. Really? Paint a very vivid picture for me. So you talking like... No friend. <laughs> well, okay. I think Derek is back. Derek. Derek. Hello. Yes, I'm back. All right. Did we get through the introduction? Yes. We did. We did. Good. Excellent. Well, let's get the show on the roll before shit shut down again. Okay. Uh, let's start with uh, politics. Let's get that out of the way because, you know, 
politics and taxes, something everybody likes to talk about, but not really. This week, the House of Reps voted through the first part of Trump Care. The victory picture that they took in front of the White House looked like a Klan. Mm -mm. The Klan rally. I mean, hey, I mean, it was just a sea of old white faces. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, They voted on a bill that most of them did not read because it came out at like 8 o'clock the night before and got voted on the next morning. Mm. It also was not sent out to the budget office. So there's no idea on how much it's actually going to account, uh, how much it's going to cost. But that seems to be okay too, you know, because the important thing is that we get rid of Obamacare. Um, Part of the bill, however, is the pre-existing uh, conditions, mm-hmm. and what you can now be denied for, which you could not before under Obamacare. And it was about fifty things, um, a few of them off: uh, AIDS, HIV, alcohol, or drug abuse within with recent treatment, cancer. Uh, cerebral palsy, diabetes, epilepsy, uh, hemophilia, lupus, multiple sclerosis, muscular dystrophy, obesity, organ transplant, paralysis, surgery or hospitalization, sleep apnea, stroke, pregnancy or expected parent, and transsexualism. Yeah. Mm. And again, that's not all of them. That's just a few. Any thoughts? Plenty of thoughts, I'm sure. Um, so one of the things about this bill that's interesting is that, okay, so you have the, also the fact that the states have the option to opt out of things. And so if you think about what state you're in and what, services you're trying to get, you know, you have this issue of where you might have been able to go to your provider and these things were being paid for before, the insurance companies can now change their minds and say, you know, we decided we don't want to pay for that kind of coverage anymore. Uh, Mental health care came up. And so uh, I was talking to my patients when it happened. And, you know, that means that their ability to use Medicaid and Medicare funding and them to get other types of care, indigent care, sources like that, to get help. Uh, for their mental health issues and substance abuse issues is now going to be in jeopardy. Not to say I'm not 100% saying it's going to go away, but it's a possibility that it could. Mm-hmm. And so then you have to ask yourself, well, where do those people end up? Where well, they're going to end up in jails? They're going to end up in the homeless shelters. They're going to be these vagrants <laughs> on the streets that you see talking to themselves and saying random things to you and being on the side of the street. And so somebody had asked me recently, you know, well, what does that mean? Like, okay, so... Um, do people not know? Do people not care? And, you know, my response is that people don't know these things and, and it's has to become a part of their world until it directly impacts them. Right. Until somewhere exactly. or another in there, they have to deal with this person or this, this type of issue that they get, they begin to care. So at this point, no, nobody cares that people who are mentally ill are probably going to end up losing their coverage um, because mental illness is, is 
it's for life and it's expensive to treat and doesn't, you know, go anywhere and only gets more and more expensive as it goes on. They only care about the fact that this person at this point hasn't been bothering them. Well, that's often a change. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Um, and if you live in Idaho, Representative Roll R. Labrador stated at a town hall yesterday, nobody has ever died because they did not have health care. Oh, wow. So if you get sick, <laughs> I see you go to his house. Because <laughs> clearly you ain't going to die not as long as he looking at you. Hmm. Um, if, um, go ahead. I was saying, um, one of the craziest things, and Xavier made a, a, a really good point, is that a lot of people don't necessarily know or are familiar with these things until it impacts them, but you know, if you look at that list, we know someone who has at least one of those pre-existing conditions. And I think that most people have acne. Acne is also on the list. You know what I'm saying? And acne is teenagers. <laughs> so at some point, we kind of have that. And it's just, yes, I, I understand this is the first sort of wave of it. But in my mind, it just lets me know what we're dealing with when it comes to these politicians. And uh, not only do we have to be concerned about this bill, but we also have to be concerned about who the replacements will be in 2018. For me, this is just a stark reminder of, you know, we really have to start being involved and we really have to, at a larger sense, you know, because I know we are and we have been, but there are so many of people, so, so many people that I know that I'm probably sure you guys could, you know, maybe name a couple of people also that you know, but they just don't have any any interest in these things. And this is how things like this happen. Mm-hmm. You know, people are just not involved and they don't really get the knowledge they need. Mm-hmm. Dude, pregnancy is on the list. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> so you're not going to be able to get health coverage because you're pregnant? Mm. So Stop getting pregnant. So having people. Is it the fact that they won't be able to get health coverage or is is it the fact that they won't be able to get um, just or, or will they be denied altogether because they have a pre-existing condition, but can they get the insurance and it will just cost more money? Because that's the one thing that that bill doesn't necessarily have any clarity on because states can opt in on a number of things. Which is part of the problem. You're introducing this piece of uh, legislation that does that. That's not clear. That's it's you know it's we'll put this out, we'll make it law, and then we'll kind of fill in the details of it later. Mm. Twenty five million people losing their health coverage. Mm. You know these are lives. As as a woman at a at a um, town hall said. We are not tax breaks. We are human beings. Right. So, yeah, yet one more thing that um, we have to deal with from the uh, the legacy, which is orange. Yeah. Well, I've been very vocal. I've been vocal with my politicians. I went through uh, my representative, and actually, I went to a town hall meeting. You did. I remember. 
Right. And Michael Burgess was the guy. He stood in front of all of us and he, you know, because everybody had their health care signs. And this was in a city called Flower Mound, which is a very affluent, majority white community and city. And people wanted their people wanted the ACA. They did not want to repeal them replace. They were happy with it the way that it was, right? And you know, he stood in front of us and he said that yeah, there was some inefficiencies that he was going to look at, but he wanted to have a standard of healthcare that was in place. Okay, I didn't get to him in enough time because it was like eighty-seven people ahead of me, you know, uh, waiting to take my question. But you know. I went to, you know, he voted in favor of this new atrocity that these people are, are everybody's all the Republicans are signing their name on. And I went to his Facebook page and I will continue to go to his Facebook page or any other social forum and just tear him apart, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that is one of the things that I, I will do besides calling his office and, and, you know, making my voice heard that way. But yeah, I mean, I plan to see these people out on, you know, the sort of trails that they do for t- town halls and, 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 and boo or, you know, throw spit or anything that I got to do right. at these people to, to voice my concerns and frustration. And I, and I think that's another big component. Like, we got to hold our politicians accountable, you know, at the end of the day. You know, um, they're elected into office to serve us. And if they're basically doing things that are kind of, you know, fighting against our well-being, we have to hold them responsible. We have to hold them accountable, you know, and that's within the voting process. But that's also, you know, when it comes to protesting, that's also when it comes to calling your elected officials, you know, being at these town hall meetings. Like you can't just sit back and just expect them to change out of goodwill, because clearly, you know, especially with the Republican Party right now, you know, their anger and hatred against the Obama administration is so strong. that They're willing to put their own well-being on the line because these pre-existing health conditions affects them as well. And they're in their, you know, voting, I guess you could say, you know, demographic, you know. So at the end of the day, the only way that you can make your voice heard is holding these political officials, you know, accountable for their actions. If they're not voting or doing things in terms of of, of protecting your well-being, you can't let them get away with that, you know. So holding them accountable, I think, is a big component to all of this as well, too. This is absolutely right. And I think, Xavier, you might agree with me. We'll see that that the whole idea of profit needs to be removed from any healthcare plan, any, any anything related to healthcare. Profit can't be. Yeah, I agree with that. I have to, I mean, I hate to say it, but it's true. A lot of this is profit-driven, you know, from one direction or the other. This is all a profit margin issue. And if we have to take care of somebody that's extremely sick, that's not profitable. Right. And so when you start looking at what coverages they're not going to cover, things that they will cover, so preventative care they're not going to cover. So you can throw out all that preventative care stuff because – it's like preventative care, it costs X amount of dollars on the front end for something that may or may not happen versus us taking care of an issue after it happens. And then we know how much that's going to cost because we've done this enough times in the past and we're only taking care of those people that this has happened to. And, you know, when it's, when they start looking at the cost-benefit ratio and looking at how much money out of pocket we can get from you, then again you're more likely to pay for coverages and care, you pay for getting services 
after something has happened, after you're ill or you've been given this diagnosis than you are before. And so that's why that, that's what they're going to target. So, yes, women can get, uh, they'll be able to get insurance and get, they'll be able to hold insurance, you know, being pregnant. The issue is it's going to cost a significant amount more money because they know you're going to need that coverage. You're going to need that care. And they're going to say, hey, we're going to have to increase your premiums at this point. But, you know, after you've had this baby, you can, um, when your next uh, physical year rolls around, you can make changes to your coverage, you know, and they're going to, they're going to work it against you every time and they're going to make these changes. But yeah, as long as they have profitability in this, as long as they're able to send out lobbyists from these insurance companies, from these drug companies, then we're always going to be dealing with this because at the end of the day, the Republicans and these people, those um, people sitting in the House and the people sitting in the Senate, they're not on a basic health care plan. Mm-hmm. Their health care is covered, 100% covered, mm-hmm. and will always be covered. They're not being directly impacted by this. Mm-hmm. So. It's correct. <laughs> All righty. Um, moving over to part two of our for today is more um, the uh, this new freedom of religion bill is pulling up because you know Christians are being persecuted mm. are not being allowed to spread the love of Christianity properly everybody is attacking them and oh. so they require their freedoms. Um, I have continued to look at this. It's interesting. I've continued to look at this from the standpoint of persecution of um, gays and blacks and everything. But what they're trying to do is remove the Johnson Amendment. I had to research. The Johnson Amendment basically is a law saying that you cannot bring your politics into church. Cannot have your any any anybody that has a five hundred one c three standing can't be telling you who to vote for from the pulpit. You can have a voter registration drive at a church. That benefits everybody. But as far as, you know, Trump going to church or or any Republican or Democrat going to church and saying, you know, vote for me because I'm the shit. No. So, um, all right. Let's sit the panel on that one. Thoughts, feelings, ideas, circumstances. <laughs> well, I hate to be the one that always has to get this started, but I mean, but they have always done that though. Churches have always promoted one way or the other who their candidate will be. You know, usually in the South, they're going to go with the conservative person. You know, it's not unusual for pastors down here in the South to say, you know, y'all need to vote for such and such because he's a good man. He um he ain't for them gays and all this other, you know, foolishness. That's not like an uncommon thing to happen here in the South. Um, 
there was an issue in Mississippi where a lot of times the the people who were running for stuff, they would turn around and they would throw like fish fries or they would give the pastors, they would, they'll tell them we'll give you a thousand dollars, just, you know, kind of promote my people to uh, promote your people to vote for me or let me sponsor a fish fry for you and this, this, this. So the people turn around, they'll vote for them. And here they are voting for somebody who's going to keep them in poverty that's going mm-hmm. to raise their taxes and make it where there's no way in the world they can survive as they are right now. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, I think that's a disservice that these pastors are doing to their quote unquote flock because they talk about such a passive message, but nothing that is really going to speak to their needs. They don't talk about policy. And maybe that's a part of it. You know, maybe that's a part of the reason why the church uh, should stay out of this game. Uh, first of all, they don't pay taxes. So that really eliminates them for being and operating in that space. The other thing is that that's these correct. people, I, in my opinion, I think these pastors are ill-equipped to uh, speak about something that they're not going to really uh, serve as or put their, their, their flock or their, uh, you know, base their congregation in a better light because all they want to do is take money from them. You know what I'm saying? So I, I, I don't know if, you know, this is a slippery slope. Um, and when it comes to the, the, the church being involved in any capacity, I think they need to focus on their congregation and stay the hell out of politics. That, yeah. That's, that's my thing. I agree. What about those? Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Those on you. Oh, what about those who double dip? There is a minister um, named James in Chicago who runs one of the four churches, black churches in the city, uh, Salem Baptist Church. Salem technically does not have a church, have a, a building that they reside in. I think it's called the House of Worship. Uh, Because along with being a minister, Meeks was also a state representative. Um, But his flock bought him a helicopter so that he could Chicago on Sundays. Um, from Springfield where he was working and he promoted the governor that Illinois has really, really hard and that governor has not passed a uh, budget for Illinois in the last three years. Like schools and shit are shut down. People just aren't getting paid. It's, it's, It's a whole hot mess. But this guy doubled dip. And I thought analytical, but apparently it wasn't. Um, I just see more uh, more stuff like this happening. And yes, before you ask, James Meeks is one of those people that, well, he's got a helicopter, so telling you that I know James escalates at home. You know. <laughs> I don't know, but I used to be Facebook friends with him. Oh, wow. So I'm aware of who he is. You know. Mm. And he is one of those anti-LGBT 
um, ministers also. That's the whole thing. It's not about, you know, doing this for the people. It's about profit. It's about power. It's about money, you know? And I mean, honestly, and, and I'm not trying to generalize like, you know, all religious leaders, you know, under this label, but, you know, a lot of them are pimps, you know, um, and liars and schemers and stunt queens. And that can apply to a lot of politicians as well, too, you know? Um, yes, you had a stunt queen in your city. Um, oh, stop. <laughs> a few of them, actually. A few. Oh, yeah, but you got a really yeah yes, but you got a really really famous one. <laughs> I mean, mm. Chris lives in Detroit, so okay. Chris had Kwame Kilpatrick. Oh yeah, Kwame, 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 and uh, Kwame was one of these type of guys. And what was so sad about Kwame's situation is that you know he was this young black man, very intelligent. Um, who rose to power and had the possibility of like, you know, really being not only a huge political figure here locally, but even on a national scale, but he allowed his ego to get to him. And um, yeah, he got caught up lying under oath and stealing money and a whole bunch of other stuff. But what really kind of set him up is that even when he was caught, you know, and he was on probation and this whole thing, he still continued to lie and scheme and do stuff queen, I guess, antics or whatever. And yeah, now he's serving, uh, uh, I think, a 30-year 30 30-year 30 bid in prison. Um, but, but I mean, that's nothing new. You know, Kwame's situation is, is not uncommon when it comes to politicians, you know? Um, you know, you could go to any you know major city or any major region, I mean, any major area, and you'll find politicians who are taking money, you know, away from the people who are lying and scheming. It's, it's, it's nothing new, but but that's a big reason why there needs to be a separation, you know, between church and state. Um, I think you have people who are naive to like follow um, these type of uh, false prophets, but. That's why we have to have certain laws in place, so it can't just be like this free fall, you know, uh, for people to be used. So, yeah, I will tell you what I find interesting. It's slightly off topic. Mm. Um, is the is is our need, and speaking in in a much large general sense, mm. our need as black people, um, his church is called. James Weeks' church is called the House of Hope. Mm. Um, our need as a community to forgive these people who have fucked us over. Mm-hmm. You know, people like Jay, I remember before Obama left office, there was a petition going around that he should have commuted uh sentence. Um the president leaves he can commute sentences. That's usually one of his last acts before he leaves office. Um, I mean, we just, we, we, we've had these politicians before who have clearly fucked us over. And I have a lot of friends that live in Detroit. So I heard, I mean, I followed the stories about Kwame Kilpatrick and everything that he did. Um, because he was such a disappointment to me. But then I got to talk to other people that lived in Detroit to find out 
actually actually did that just affected people. Like apparently he completely fucked up. Um, so like the bus that run after nine or ten or something like that in the city. Um, Sheila Dixon, who was the mayor of Baltimore and went down for stealing gift cards who that had been donated from certain companies for poor people. And she took the motherfuckers to Target to buy hats for Easter. Um, just, and, 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 and she left office in shame, but now she's preparing to run for mayor again. It's been about 10 years and she's got support, <clears throat> you know, or my favorite, uh, what's the mayor's name that was in DC? Um, I want to say David because I know that's not his name. The one that literally got caught with the cocaine. Oh, yeah. With cocaine, he got caught with a prostitute. Mm-hmm. And he, he got to be there like three more times. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. So I just, I, interesting. Um, that we are, that we get on this whole forgiveness path with these people that, you know, should actually, I think, be held to a higher standard, not a little. Yeah. Where white people do the same thing just never works for me. Like I said, politics have been corrupt for so long, you know. um, It's like, how do you break that cycle? I think that's the question. Like, you know, because politicians nationwide, globally even, um, have been committing these forms of like being, you know, deceitful and lying and figuring out ways to kind of use the public to their benefit, <clears throat> you know, so it's like, how do you break that type of culture, you know? Yeah. You were going to say something. Yeah, I wanted to go back to a, a point that you made earlier when it comes to um, Christians legalizing uh, discriminating. That is an oxymoron in every sense of the word. And I don't think they have the capacity to really look at it that way because they're so focused on what they believe God says, what they uh, what they believe that God has given them the affinity to, to do. Um, and that's to yeah. save the world. So it's like, I don't really, I just, <laughs> it's so confusing to me. And as a person who's not a religious person, oh, yes, I really do. To their, if if they really understood the tenets of Christianity from a historical significance and not a mystical one, I think that they would really maybe tie in whatever pieces that will work for them and say, you know what, I'm here to be of service to you. And that is what I assume that Christianity was supposed to be about. But Hmm. if you're going to discriminate against someone because they're different from you, because they don't share the same beliefs as you, it's because they don't want to align with you. That's not Christian. You know, that's not Christian. It's just it's saying, at the same time, it fills their pockets. So <laughs> that's why they continue doing yeah. it, you know. Also, yeah. those types of Christians are the ones who have no integrity. Oh, yeah, and why should true. anybody follow someone who does have no, who has no integrity? I agree. I agree. Yeah. You know, I, saw I think any smart person I saw a quote recently that said, if your Bible tells you how to deal with your slaves, you already... There you go. Mm. 
There you go. All right. We're going to move on to one of our two questions of the week, which is what uh, brought us the subject of the week, sexuality, how can I be me, and who am I supposed to be? Um, question came to me personally from somebody that I went to high school with. Uh, he's a straight guy. And I'm going to read exactly what he wrote, and then we can discuss it. Um, respect or anything, but I have a female cousin that has a husband, and they will have sex, but it is only anal, not vaginal, and it's anal, never vaginally, for about a year and a half now. She wants to know what his character is. Should she stay or leave? Enlighten me, so I can pass on the info. Hmm. Um, uh, Jay, Jay's feeling some kind of way about that. I just think he don't want to get pregnant. Ah, the other Jay too. <laughs> the other Jay's the um, our guest, right? He's feeling some kind of way about that too. I don't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is what I this is what I told him. Well, for my first question was, so are you asking me if you think your cousin's husband is gay? Yeah, that's what I'm asking you. And I said, mm-hmm. okay, well, without meeting him, I can't. Um, but I can say this. If he's having sex with a woman, About where you stick it, it's about who you stick it in. Mm. That was a perfect time. I don't know who phone was that. What that that brought that point home, right? (laughs) Um, but it led to a larger question of straight folks and vanilla sex. So, if you're not having the vanilla sex, then somebody got to be gay. You already know that's a BS. I mean, the, the thing of it is that, like, you know, straight folks, you know, like anyone else of any other sexual identity, you know, they venture into all kind of sexual kinks and fetishes. I just think that, like, in mainstream society, we still have these hangups you know, revolve around certain sexual activities, um, especially when it comes to men, you know, because I remember once upon a time, you know, like if a guy was even, you know, like giving a girl, giving a woman oral, you know, eating her out or whatever, it was like, oh, like, ah, I would never do that, ah, ah, you know, whatever, you know, it was something that was judged. Um, and now it's become a little bit more acceptable but there's still this kind of mindset that if you're a guy, like the only thing you need to be concerned about is getting your dicks up and smashing pussy. pussy. That's it. You know what I'm saying? Not about pleasure in a woman or anything like that. And I feel like one thing that we're seeing now is that we're seeing, I think more women speak out and say, Hey, like it's not all about, you know, you, the man, it's about me also being able to get pleasure out of this experience. 
orgasms. You know, I want to have an orgasm, you know, because I mean, it's crazy to me when I still hear women talking about like, you know, I never had an orgasm before. And I mean, I, I'm not yeah, a woman. I, I don't even know how that is. I'm just like, what? <laughs> you know, like, seriously, you know? Um, but I think a lot of that just comes from a lot of shaming in mainstream, you know, society and mainstream cultures that, you know, if, if a man is getting any pleasure for any type of anal play, he's automatically gay, you know, without question. You know, um, I have a conversation with a lot of my straight female friends about them possibly dating a bisexual man. And the first thing comes out of my mouth is like, they couldn't do it. Like, I, I could never date a guy who's bisexual because I can't um, compete with another man. And I'm like, well, by them being bisexual, if they're attracted to you, they're attracted to you. You're not competing with a man, you know? Um, and they're worrying about, you know, uh, a guy, if they dated a guy who's bisexual, cheating on another guy. But I'm like, if he cheated on you with another woman, it's still cheating, right? You know? Yeah. But it's just, it's a lot of, you know, a lot of ignorance and just a lot of shaming coming from, like, our society right now when it comes to people being, I think, more open and vocal about what they're into sexually, you know? And, I mean, like I said, again, I mean, I know straight folks who get into all kind of kink play, you know? Um who are like way freakier than what a lot of people would expect, but they don't really talk about it publicly either. You know, maybe that, and maybe that's part of the problem. Maybe yeah. that that is part of the problem that we don't talk about those things. Um, I've been watching um, Grace, and Frankie? I'm not going. Yeah, Grace. Frankie Frankie. Grace. Sorry, yeah. I don't know. I can. With, yeah. I with, can uh, with Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin. Yeah. And one of the storylines that they're doing now is that the these two women in their 70s mm-hmm. have created these dildos mm-hmm. for older women to use. And whenever they try to get funding, whenever they try to talk about um, this product that they have come up with, people kind of like shut down on them because, you know, when you're a woman in your 70s, you ain't supposed to be talking about stuff like this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and but, I'm talking, you know, go I, ahead. I, 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 go ahead, go ahead. What were you going to say? Mm-hmm. I'm just saying like that type of shaming is just so late to me. Like, um, regardless of your age, regardless of your sexual identity, your gender identity, you know, race or whatever. Um, I feel like what you do with another adult, as long as it's consensual, um, it's fair play. You know, it, it's and I, and I know you've had these conversations as well, too. You know, um, you know, there with you being a part of Onyx and you have to have conversations trying to educate people like, you know, the shame that comes around folks who are not well informed about what Onyx is about, about, you know, kink culture in general, about the brotherhood of Onyx, like. I'm sure you've had many situations where you had had conversations where you have to kind of like repeat the same thing over and now over again. And then the conversation about what Onyx is and isn't right comes back around, and I think we just just finished having that conversation again, um, literally two weeks ago, with mm-hmm. people who decided that Onyx was simply just a second club and. Mm-hmm. Um, honest with a what? Yeah, but again, it, it, I'm sorry, Lonnie. What you say? I said you said Onyx. They said Onyx was a what? Simply a what? Sex club. 
Sex Club. Yeah. I'm not a sex club. You mean like the the monthly event in different cities or whatever? Well, they've been, and and again, I'm getting this secondhand because I've been a member for about 20 years now. So that whole fighting on the front line thing, I'm, I'm in the rear. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm the old sage when you need some shit, when you need some help. <laughs> um, um, no, just in, it, not just the monthly parties in general, that the club just exists. You have sex. That, that, you know, they're fucking each other and you have to fuck to get in and type of craziness. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I really, really thought that... Oh, no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I really thought that that was part of Onyx. Like, I thought it was just this place where people just go and just um, have sex or whatever, and that was my ignorance. But after speaking with a few people, then I came to a higher understanding that it's more... It's not even about that at all. And thank you, Lonnie. That's and that's kind of exactly the point. Who go around and say these things are people who don't take the time to actually get information. Yeah. You know, they've they've talked to somebody who's had a passing uh meeting with somebody in Onyx and they've decided, well, you know, Onyx is that group that sit around and fuck each other. <laughs> and you know, and like I said, I'm not you know um, a member of Onyx, but you know, I know a lot of folks. Like yeah. plenty of friends who are Onyx members here locally, yeah. nationwide, or whatever. And I think what's really important about Onyx is that it provides, in my opinion, a safe space um, for men of color to explore, you know, their kinks or the world of kinks and fetishes and have a proper understanding of how to kind of navigate through those spaces, you know? And being able to have these type of conversations, the conversations that we're having now, because there's nothing wrong with having, you know, your kinks, your fetishes, or being what you're into, like, you know, whatever you're into sexually, that's your thing. But it's also important to have spaces where you can have, you know, like this type of dialogue, you know, without being shamed, without being ridiculed. Um, and I kind of so going back question. to question. Go ahead. A quick question. So, do you guys just promote sexuality, or do you guys just promote just um, kinks and fetishes type of thing, or is that the same thing? Yeah. It promotes a safe space for you to ask questions that you may have to explore uh, those things that might interest you. Well, I don't know much about Onyx. Um, I've only been to like a monthly event in Atlanta a couple of times. I kind of thought the opposite of you know you're saying that everyone thought it was all about sex and blah blah blah. Uh, I thought y'all didn't do that kind of stuff from just when I went because no, when I went to the events, nothing was happening sexually really. So I was just like, okay, whatever. But I know. Like whenever white people have like those kind of leather or kink events, there's always sex in the corner somewhere at the bar or somewhere or someone's house. But that's more the bar than than who's hosting the party. 
yeah, even like when people host the parties at their homes or stuff like that, you know, that stuff usually always happens in those settings. Um, even it, whether it's a bar or someone's house, it always seems to happen like in the white groups. And so when I went to Onyx a couple of times, I assumed, I mean, I just assumed that that was probably going to happen there too. But, you know, I was just like, oh, it didn't happen. And, you know, that was cool too. Yeah, like, um, well, maybe recruited. Go ahead, Chris. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say earlier, um, <laughs> With, uh, when we was having a few uh, technical difficulties earlier, um, I was talking about, you know, like a shock ass about, like, you know, how are our weekends, what was popping or whatever. And uh, uh, this weekend uh, here in Detroit, one of our biggest, like, you know, gay bars or kink bars, uh, Minjo's is ha- having a bear expo. But it's also, um, they're also bringing in a lot of the local, like, leather organizations as well, too. And uh, it wasn't Onyx, but it was like Icon. Icon was having an event there as well, too. And um, I love Icon. Yeah, yeah. And, and the thing of it is that, like, again, like, you know, Minjo's, it's, it's like three bars in one. You have your main bar. You have this other space, like this auditorium room called Olympus Hall, where they sell, you know, all kind of little goods and stuff, like, you know, jock straps, leather stuff. And then you have the R&R Alley, which is kind of like the after-party spot. Like, once the main bar. Place, there you go. <laughs> you already know the lingo. So that's the play space. And the thing of it is that, like, you know, clearly some guys will come in there just to kind of hang and socialize. Some guys will come in there to get more information from Icon and the leather community, you know, locally in Detroit. And some people just came to go to R&R Alley to fool around, you know. Um, and like you said, again, it, 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 at least when it comes to some of the bars and establishments, I noticed when they have, like, bear and leather events and if Onyx is hosting or Icon is hosting, like, Really, at the end of the day, like I kind of honestly doesn't really control if people are fooling around in the dark room. You know what I'm saying? Because um, that's more of the bar thing. You know, that's, that's whatever the bar is trying to allow to bring more people in. Um, but I was going to kind of go back to the question, the initial question about the whole anal play thing. And I think, you know, I, in a way, uh, I support your friend asking you um, about this because I feel like that's where the conversation starts, at least. She, this is a woman, right? Who's asking the question, right? No, this was the guy. He was asking about his cousin. Oh, his cousin. Oh, okay, okay. But oh, about it. his cousin and this cousin's wife. Oh, cousin's husband. Oh, okay. Is, that, is it really that situation? Because you know, sometimes we'll say, "Oh, well, I have a friend." Right. I, I can only <laughs> only ask. I can only read. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, I think it's, I mean, again, I, nah, I kind of would have preferred this came directly from one of the individuals in the relationship asking a question instead right. of a, a third party or whatever. But but asking is a good thing, too. That, that at least shows that you're trying to inquire and get an understanding. You know what I'm saying? And there's nothing wrong yeah. with asking questions. That's, that's where it all starts. Um, but yeah, like I wish, again, when it comes to... Did the cousin have a problem with it? That's a good question. Um, that's because clearly not a woman would definitely say, "Hell nah, bitch, I'm not doing that." <laughs> well, apparently, again, according to the question and what he wrote me, she's been doing it for a year and a half, but she started to question the guy's sexuality. But he never—he's only fucking her in the ass. So he's never fucked. Well, her. she likes getting fucked in the ass because if she does it for a year and a half, clearly it's not a problem, you know. 
Thank you, Shaka. He likes it. Go ahead. Go ahead, Jay. Jay was about to say something. Go ahead. And why can't why can't the cousin ask the, the woman who's getting fucked? You know what, what? You know why does the fault? This goes back to what you were saying. Why does the fault lie with God? Okay, Jackham. <laughs> but Jay had a response. Jay had a response. Oh, I'm sorry, Jay. <laughs> yeah. So they've been together all that time, and he's never fucked her in the vagina. I don't know never. how long they've been together. Again, that was not in the. That wasn't in. The but he's never. All fucked I know her in the vagina, last though. year and a half. Uh-huh. He's been entering in through the back door. Only, exclusively. Only exclusively. Mm. That's the, Maybe that's the only place where he can get some gripsion from. I don't mm. know. <laughs> Am I on mute? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, y'all. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Yikes. Mm-mm. That's Sunday shade for you right there. That is. Uh, that is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can't even really. I, I can't say no. I'm, I'm, I'm going to move on to our second question. Again, it's funny when these questions kind of come back to back. Okay, this is a this is a two parter, and I'm reading the question as it was written. I would like to hear people's opinions about tops that think they're less of a homosexual than bottoms or gay men that refuse to participate in pride events because it's beneath them. Mm. Mm. Can you repeat that one more time? I can. Okay, thanks. I would like to hear people's opinions about tops that think they're less of a homosexual than bottoms. Let's, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that part first, and then we'll go to the second part. So let's handle that one first. I would like to hear people's opinions about tops that think they're less of a homosexual than bottoms. Uh, but back in my early 20s and teens, I really thought that, you know, a person who was penetrated was less of a man than... Um, a person who was doing the penetrating. But over the years, the heterosexual world looks at you the same exact way. If you're busting a nut with another man and having sex with another man, both of y'all are still fags and both of y'all are still in the same playing field. So, honestly, I think that's just an ignorant... I don't think that's true, Lonnie. I don't, I, I, I don't think that's true in the, in the fact that people look at it the same way. Mm. The people that I've come in contact really? with... I, I think that I've run into a few who, you know, do, do think that your level of homosexuality is defined by what position you take. Mm. But uh, I, I, I kind of, well, go ahead, go ahead, dude. I feel like I encountered that in different cultures. Um, like, I don't want to generalize, but I used to find that a lot in Hispanic men, uh, and, diff- and from from who weren't American, but like from somewhere else, where they always be like, "Well, I fuck guys and get my dick sucked, but I'm not gay, you know, and stuff like that." But I'm like, "Okay, but you're sleeping with men, but I don't get mm-hmm. fucked." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "But you're still sleeping with men, yeah, but I don't mm-hmm. get fucked." And that was <laughs> a constant thing. 
Mm-hmm. And I used to encounter that a lot with Hispanic men who are like from Dominican Republic or Puerto Rico and things like that, mm-hmm. who really feel that they're still a straight man, even though they constantly sleep with dudes, mm-hmm. as, as long as they don't get fucked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's kind I know of it's it's weird to me. Yeah. I mean, I kind of agree with Jay. I, I, I've experienced that as well, too. And I also agree with Amani, um, where I feel like it is this, you know, I feel like at the end of the day, if 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 you are sexually active with other men, that doesn't define that you're you're gay or you're bi, but at the very least, you do have an attraction to the same sex to some degree. And I feel like the thing of it is that, especially when we deal with so much discrimination and so much hate that's directed towards our community in general, I don't think it's really productive. Actually, I think it's counterproductive to try to belittle, you know, any segment of our community, because at the end of the day, when we're dealing with like, you know, LGBTQ rights and, you know, and being a target, you know, for the Republican Party and, you know, and all of that, like, again, it doesn't matter if you're a top or you're a bottom, you know, or if you're, you know, oral or this or that or whatever. I mean, the fact that you are committing this sin, the fact that you are sleeping with the same sex um, makes you a target, you know, and and, and, it, and it throws many of us in that same bandwagon. So I don't, to me, I don't see anything being, you know, beneficial from us being divided, you know, in issues like that. That's why it really bothers me when I see folks trying to shame people because they're a bottom or they're femme or whatever, because it's counterproductive, you know, at the end of the day, like we deal with enough hate outside of our community. You know, then we create all these, you know, forms of segregation within our community. I mean, and that that's beyond just when it comes to like our sexual roles, you know, or certain characteristics. It also comes with, you know, forms of racism and transphobia in our community. You know, it's just it's like even when it comes to gay men being able to work with, you know, women who identify as like, you know, lesbians or bisexual, there's a divide there, you know, and it's, it's crazy to me. You know, we deal with so much outside of our community that we create all these different forms of barriers within our community that just, you know, we, we're holding ourselves back at the end of the day with that type of mindset. Preach, brother, preach. I agree. Here, here. I think the reason why there is such a divide is because all of these labels, whether it may be top or bottom, gay, lesbian, um, is the ego. We attach the ego to these labels. And then when we attach the ego to them, have to fight to pretend that also that's what causes the divide and i think we have we have to have a conversation as a cult as a culture community um to find out why we're attaching an ego to these identities mm-hmm. you know exactly yeah and i, and I, I guess it's another thing because you know i think masculinity is definitely important and, and if, if that's a characteristic that is, you know, naturally within you, you should be able to embrace it. But, you know, we live in a society that is built around patriarchy. Um, and it's this whole mindset that we have this certain, I guess, type of a man that you should be, you know, you have to be a man's man, whatever that's supposed to mean, you know. And one thing I hear, I don't know if, you, well, it's, it's so many examples of this, but somebody who like, literally, like, I don't know, like, I don't know, he annoys the hell out of me. 
uh, Steve Harvey. Um, I remember years ago. <laughs> years ago, uh, I want to say he was on the Back view. Off of Steve. I can't stand that motherfucker. Like, oh, uh. but anyway. <laughs> But anyway, he was on, I want to say he was on The View. And this is when, you know, Steve Harvey was like really trying to build his empire. I think it was when he first got his talk show, you know, all the books and movies were coming out. And he was on The View. And it was something, it was something relating to gay men and nah, 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 nah. And I remember him making a statement like, well, you know, like we can't really talk about gay men because they're not really, you know, men, men. And then I think it was Joy. She was like, well, what makes a, a man, you know, you know, what, what makes the quintessential man or whatever. He was just like, well, you know, I just, I just feel like, you know, you know, if you're gay and if you're sleeping with another man, you know, like you, you know, you're, you're a different type of man. You're not a, you know, man. Oh, fuck him. Burn him at the stake. <laughs> but, but you know what? He flipped that script real quick. Cause I think it was like maybe a um, couple of weeks later, he was on Ellen, you know what I'm saying? And then he tried to come in with the whole, you know, like, oh, I love everybody, da, 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 BS. But that type of mindset does exist where people feel yeah. like you are sleeping with another man. You're not, a man's man or whatever. I mean, it, it, it is crazy to me because to me, regardless of who you sleep with, with, that has nothing in terms of taking away from your manhood, you know, at all, you know, but there is this, this concept that if you, are you sleeping with the same sex or you're just doing something that doesn't fit into this box of this, you know, you know, hyper-masculine macho man, then you're less of a man, you know, and I think we have to break down. Well, I think the world. part of it, I think part of it goes back to how we are masculinity or how or how masculinity is being defined, not how we're defining it, how masculinity is being defined and how masculinity is being defined in your culture. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like Jay said, you know, in, in, in the Hispanic culture, it's, well, you know, as long as I ain't on the bottom. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all know that's some bullshit. Mm-hmm. But hey, that goes back to one, one of the things that I said to the last question. You know, what makes me a gay man where I'm sticking it or where I'm getting stuck? Mm-hmm. Who I am with? Because I'm not fucking a woman in the ass. I don't want to have sex with a woman. Mm-hmm. And I can tell the difference. Mm-hmm. You know, she can she can shave her head, she can turn her back, but at the end of the day, I know that's still a woman, and that's not the energy I'm looking for or am sexually attracted to. But that has nothing to do with my level of masculinity. That's a question I would be interested in seeing if somebody can like respond to or put some sort of context. Because when I have these conversations with people, I ask the exact same thing that you do, Derek. How and actually, what is masculinity? What is femininity? And why do people limit those to male and female uh, genders? Yes. Yes. Why can't you have a little both? Because I know some very masculine women who are very heterosexual. You know what I'm saying? I think some people would look at a woman being at the head of a... um, a boardroom mm-hmm. is very masculine. You know what I'm saying? Serena Williams can come. Some people say that she's very masculine, has a very masculine quote unquote look. So what does that mean? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you're right about that. Like masculine and feminine energy is not bounded by like one particular gender. I think we all carry some form of masculine and feminine energy. You know, sometimes 
one or the other outweighs the other, but at the end of the day, it exists in all of us. And um, I mean, honestly, like I can speak for myself. Like I, I'm, I consider myself kind of fluid in terms of like, you know, how I kind of blend the masculine and feminine energy a little bit. But honestly, like, you know, if I'm out at the club, you know, and I'm getting lit, I'm getting liquored up, I could be yes, honey, and girl with the rest of them. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes. it's not, it, it, right, exactly. You know, it is not a big thing to me. You know, I'm not stressing. You know, I'm not like, oh my God, I don't want nobody to see me like that. Like, who cares? Like, and that's the thing. I, I, I feel like masculinity, feminine energy, like, they can coexist. Yes, they you don't can. have to clash against each other. You know what I'm saying? And I mean, for a lot of guys, especially, like, I don't know. It's nothing wrong with embracing feminine energy at times. There's nothing wrong with that. It, it, it doesn't make you less than a man. It, it doesn't, you know? Like, so. It's a yeah. very good example. Chris knows my sister. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you are aware that Carla is a straight woman. Mm-hmm. Um, but Carla will tell you in a minute. In a room full of men, my dick is bigger than yours, and I will fuck everybody. Stop! I can it. visually see it too. Like <laughs> that's so crazy. <laughs> oh my god! Because Carla's been with you to a couple of like you know events to the club. To uh, has she gone with you to some audits parties and IML and all that type of stuff too? Carla has. Carla is an unofficial, unofficial. Onyx member. She has been around Onyx almost as long as I have. Mm. And truth be told, some of the straight uh, dominatrixes that we used to hang around with Mm. really tried to recruit her and she was like, no, I can't do it because I'll go to jail (laughs) because some white man will pay me to step on his balls and I've had a bad day. No. Oh my God, yeah. All right, so the second part of the question, which kind of goes back to masculinity, uh, that refuse to participate in pride events because it's beneath them. Mm. Oh, you know what? I was just about to ask, just throw some, I don't want to like, you know, jump too far off topic, but- um, Go ahead, Chris. There was a post, I want to say, Ali made a post because he's doing a what is it a bear leather, um, yes, at, at the Pride March in D.C. Right? Yes, he is. And who shared? Well, you know what? I, well, I've seen a couple of people comment on this, um, but it, it was in the context of you know, uh, as a person of color, right? I don't see, or as a person of color, it's hard for me, and I'm speaking for myself now to be involved in some of these marches that at times doesn't like these people who are leading these marches truly are not concerned about my issues and issues that affect me as a black man, as a black gay man. Right. And, um, I don't know how, how much this relates to the topic that you just brought up or the question you just brought up, but I think it's kind of relevant because I think a lot of times with, you know, I've, I've been a part of organizing um, some of our pride events here locally. We have a pride event called How in July, and that's our um, black LGBT pride in, um, in July. Um, right, exactly. You know, so I've, I've been on the board for that. Then we have another pride, Motor City Pride, which is like our larger um, big pride is in downtown Detroit. 
Um, but the thing of it is that, again, like, you know, at Motor City, uh, uh, well, I ain't going to speak about Motor City Pride because I ain't trying to start no shit. But <laughs> the thing of it is, some of these prides, right, you go there, you see the leadership. Like, you, you'll go, if you if you attend some of the the, the board meetings and, and some of the meetings they have with the organizers of these prides, you'll see a room predominantly filled with white folks, you know, white LGBT folks, but predominantly white folks. And there may be like one or two people of color in that space. So when issues come up, like, you know, Black Lives Matter or issues surrounding like maybe the Middle Eastern LGBTQ community or whatever, or even trans folks a lot of times, they don't really want to discuss those issues. They don't really care. They don't feel like they're relevant, you know, to the pride itself, even though these prides are supposed to be inclusive and for, and it's supposed to be for everybody. Um, for example, we had a situation at our Motor City Pride a couple of years ago where Motor City Pride is basically connected to like our main river walk in downtown Detroit. And outside of the main Pride area, there was a young black um, gay guy who was attacked by a group of um, group of young teens or whatever, like five of them. Anyway, it got you know media attention and we had like a, a meeting and basically uh, a lot of the folks who don't even live in the city were talking about like they need to move Motor City Pride outside of Detroit because for these folks who don't live in the city, they don't feel safe coming into the city and celebrating Pride in Detroit. And prior to that, Motor City Pride was held in the suburbs, but it's called Motor City Pride, and that's a reflection of Detroit, Motor City. So, but they were just arguing, like, we don't feel safe, da 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 da. But it's like for us, for like myself as a person, because it's a black man, I don't feel safe driving all the way out in these predominantly white neighborhoods, you know, going to a pride where I might be pulled over, where I might be targeted because of my color. But they didn't want to hear that, you know? So it's like, when we talk about pride, I think it's, it's also a big part of really looking at the leadership of a lot of, a lot of these prides and seeing who are the people representing us. Like when we were talking about politicians, who are the people representing us and how can we hold them accountable and make sure that we're, properly represented during these prides. So I don't know if that really relates to the question, but I feel like there's some connection there a little bit. It does not, but you brought up a couple of very, very good points. Mm -hmm. Um, Anybody else? Yeah, you did bring up a couple of good points. I think that the concept of pride can't truly be pride unless it's all inclusive. You know, um, and I think that we have to start having maybe we can set the example for all of these other groups, you know, and, and really start to have these conversations. Because the one thing that really separates us from the rest of these other groups are, you know, we, you know, unlike the black community, the white community, Christians, whatever. I do think that because we are all sort of connected to each other based on sexual premises, mm-hmm. um, that. That really gives us an opportunity to really start to have conversations on a different level. Because, mm-hmm. yes, that, that does make us a sort of a myriad of different colors and textures and, you know, just this whole myriad of different groups of people, mm-hmm. you know, that cross social, political, all types of backgrounds. But mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I think, I think that's something that maybe we do need to start having, maybe committees, you know, maybe mm-hmm. like the larger, you know, like you mentioned, a larger uh, pride event that has mostly mm-hmm. white people mm-hmm. and like because it's always the black ones or the puerto ricans or whatever you know what i'm mm-hmm. saying we do we, we have to start looking at that mm-hmm. you know we have to start having these conversations because it's it's really sensitive yeah, new york has about you know 15 I mean? different prides yeah all yeah. in general right <laughs> yeah. uh, so we are representing the dysfunction 
and we're making that known to people on the outside looking in, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I know for some folks, you know, um, for the folks who are like, you know, I don't attend Prides because like all it is is a, a bunch of men and Speedos dancing around. And, you know, I don't see, you know, how that is beneficial to the community. And that's, you know, demeaning or whatever. And I mean, I, I, I'm not one of those type of folks who's like really trying to like criticize a lot of these major pride events from being like these, these parties. And cause I feel like it is a time of celebration, right? Like, you know, like I, I'm also a big fan of like going to some of these events and being able to be in a room and have a conversation like we're having right now about certain topics and issues in our community. I think that's really important, but I'm not judging folks who just go to these events to get fucked up and fuck <laughs> and enjoy themselves, you know, because Considering that we live in a society that we're always, you know, literally, you know, hey. we're, we're attacked yeah. on the uh, Lonnie? Sorry. Hey, guys. I'm about to log off, but I wanted to int- introduce you guys. Hey! <laughs> How y'all what doing? Mark? Hey. <laughs> you looking lit already? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to head back home right now, so. Hey, Gerald. Where y'all at? What's up, Chris? We're in Atlanta. We're in Atlanta. We're in You don't know where the hell you You fucked up. <laughs> I love it. But no, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. What's up? Derek? I don't want to talk to them people. <laughs> they knew what time the show was. I don't want to hide. Bye. <laughs> they didn't even tell me you wasn't coming. So, you know. Enjoy <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy. Love the major motherfucker. <laughs> All right. That was lovely. <laughs> um, but no, I was just about to say, like, I, I'm not, like, I know some folks feel like they don't want to participate in a lot of the Pride events because they just look at them as being like, you know, parties where folks are just acting a fool and it doesn't properly represent the community. But like I said, again, I don't have any issue with people using pride as, as, as a way of being able to kind of like celebrate and express themselves, you know, regardless if it's my thing or not. Because, you know, again, we don't, as a community, we don't often get too many opportunities to be ourselves, you know, in public spaces, you know? That is correct. I mean, I feel people who think pride is beneath them, uh, I feel like they've probably been hurt in some place, somewhere, somehow, maybe. And that's mm-hmm. why they may feel that way. But I think it's kind of silly to think that something, an event like that is beneath you. Mm-hmm. You know, I, mean, I can see, you know, being out there and partying might not be everybody's thing. But just because something's not your thing doesn't mean you think it's beneath you. You just mm-hmm. might not have much interest in it to be mm-hmm. out there partying and whatever. And I think people think it's beneath them. It's like, Kind of like sound. It sounds like something else is going on with them, and why they think that way. And like sometimes I, I've gone to prides and I've been absolutely bored, but I've never, never once thought a pride event was beneath me. You know, because to me, I mean, sometimes I guess there can be activism involved nowadays, but before it just seemed like a big party. And you know, some parties are good, some some aren't. You might have fun at some, you might not have fun at others, and. But I don't think I think I don't think it would be beneath me if I didn't enjoy it or something. Right. I don't know. Right. Like whenever whenever I've gone to New York I Pride, think- I've always had fun. And mm-hmm. 
things like that. But then Boston Pride is lame as fuck. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think it's the. What's the best Pride? That oh sorry, I'm sorry, Jay. Oh no problem. Go ahead. I'm done. You sure? Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> no, no, I'm good. Um, no, I was going to ask everybody, like, what was the best pride that anybody had been to? Ooh. Oh, my best pride was my first one in Chicago. I found out about it, like, that morning. And so I said, oh, okay, I don't even know exactly where it is, but I know it's on the north side of Chicago. I was 20, I think. Oh, wow. Yeah, because it was in the summer, so I hadn't turned 21 yet. Um, pointed my car in the direction of the north side of Chicago, and I said, okay, I'm going to drive until when I see a whole lot of people. I will know I am there. And that is exactly what I did. That is exactly what happened. I drove until I ran into that parade three different times, <laughs> trying to find somewhere to leave my car. And then, you know, because I was 20, my car was a hoopty. So then it overheated, and I was real lucky to find a parking space on the street. Mm. Car was overheating and smoking, and I parked the car, and I was like, okay, I don't know what the fuck is going to happen with this car, but there's a party out on this motherfucker, and I am going to enjoy it. And mm. that is exactly what I did. That's time ever. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I was about to say, um... Actually, like my favorite experience at a pride was a recent. Um, I know I might be like late to the party, but like I experienced my first Atlanta Black Gay Pride um, back in 2015. Yeah, I guess it's 2015, 2014, 2015. And I was my first time going to Atlanta Black Gay Pride. Like I've been to various different prides, you know, locally and across country before then. That was my first time going to the Atlanta Black Gay Pride. And um, the thing of it is that, you know, Again, just kind of growing up in the community, you know, you hear folks talking about like, uh, you know, Atlanta Pride is late, you know, it's just a whole bunch of young kids going out there and acting a fool and it's not yes. worth it or whatever. But this is the thing. What made my experience so dope is that I was able to connect uh, to the black, I guess you could say, bear community in that scene. And their whole, I guess it was like the, the big boy pride and the big dogs, you know, that circuit. And through that, I was able to kind of like, you know, connect and hang out with folks that, you know, I could relate to that we have things in common, you know. So, you know, being able to go to like, you know, uh, Daryl's brunch, DG's brunch, um, you know, being at the Eagle, um, going to the uh, Big Dogs uh, white party, um, like being able to go to this Pride event, but also being able to like connect to the segment of the community that I feel a connection with, you know, made experience like so much better. And, I, and that's what I recommend to people. Like if you're going to a pride event, you know, uh, whatever, like try to go to events or try to find, uh, I guess, segments of the community, well, not segments of the community, but try to kind of connect with people at these pride events that you actually relate to. Like, you know, because if you just go to a pride and you're trying to get into like the mainstream party scene, if that's your thing, cool. But if you're someone where you know like that, you know, I'm not really about you know, paying $30 to go see Little Kim, you know, squat on the stage for like two hours or 15 minutes or whatever. Like, you know, well then try to find, you know, if there's any other uh, smaller groups, you know, that, that are having events and parties during these pride events that kind of connect close to what you're into. 
And I think that could kind of like enhance your experience. But yeah, that was that was my favorite Pride experience. Like um, Black Black A, well, Atlanta Black A Pride. I think back in like 2015. Yeah. Jay, what about you? What? what? <laughs> I, I, already I said, what about you? Huh? I already answered. I had the answer was my question, didn't I? New York. Well, I guess the New York. He was. He was asking like, "What was your oh, favorite? Was the best one? The favorite yeah. Yeah. Oh, New York. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I like yeah, New York. Yeah. It's, it's probably one of the most diverse prides in the country to me. Um, mm-hmm. I can go there and see everybody, you know, in one pride event. And it's important that people, you know, when people feel rejected from like mainstream pride that they go off and off and make their own events and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always felt New York Pride was the one place where, at least for that day, a lot of people from different places can come together into one pride and have a good time. I mean, New York still has a whole bunch of different prides too, still. Mm-hmm. Uh, but everyone still shows up for the main New York Pride as well. So mm-hmm. I always enjoyed that. And hey, you? Huh? Oh, well, go ahead, go ahead. I want to finish up. You know, I was going to ask you a question real quick. Oh, ask me the question. Go ahead. Um, you've been to, I know you've done, I think you've done Big Boy Pride and P-Town, right? Yeah. So, like, because I'm, I'm, I haven't been to Big Boy Pride, and I'm definitely going to try to go, hopefully, next year. And yeah, I've also been, that too. and I've also been interested in checking out, um, you know, Provincetown in that week. Bear week, yeah, yeah, and um, to talk to Jay about that because I know he's been. I'm wait, let me let me. I know you've been to an event, and I'm almost positive it is Provincetown, yeah, yeah, Bear Week. You know, I'm asking Fire I, okay, because I said Fire Island before, and I was completely, <laughs> <laughs> but I was asking about so I mean, um, I mean, can you talk a little bit about your experience at a like a Bear Week? Like, is it is it worth really investing into, you know, because I know it's kind of expensive. I think if you bring like a group of friends with you mm-hmm. or if you know a lot of people who are going, mm-hmm. it can be a real fun, great time. I enjoy going. Mm-hmm. It is extremely overpriced though. Mm-hmm. So the way that you can cut down on that is if you, if you got good friends that you can share space with, you share mm-hmm. a house, share a room, share an apartment or whatever with a condo mm-hmm. and it gets cheaper that way, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like I know some people who who go and they spend like three thousand something dollars to be just for uh, housing for the week. Wow! You know, uh, but I go on a cheap and wow. like this year I'm spending five hundred and fifty for the whole week. Wow! Because <laughs> you sharing, got the hookup. <laughs> well, I'm sharing a room with a friend, so I don't mm-hmm. care that we have to share a room, and I'm fine with that because we're real good friends and we're never in each other's way. Mm-hmm. And it's not like we're both trying to thought and bring dudes home all the fucking time anyway, so it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Yeah. Uh, so, but it's it's at least to experience one time just to see how you like it. I think it's worth doing. Okay. Yeah. Because um, you have literally thousands of bears in this one event from around the world. You know, mm-hmm. come to that. It's like a whole town. It's a beach town. Mm-hmm. So you have thousands of bears from around the world who come to this place. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love it if more people of color went, but you know, it is mostly white guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, but every year we seem to attract more bears of color because they see us there having a good time, like me and my friends, mm-hmm. and they want to go too. So every year we seem to bring more and more. And I don't know if you've ever looked at my Facebook, 
Mm. And like you see, if you go back far enough, you'll see like we took the Bears of Color and P Town picture. It was mm. like, oh, it's iconic. It's, 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 it's been everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm asking you because I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You notice every year it seems to get bigger, right? Right, 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 right. So every year it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Even though I, I kind of made a joke uh, this year when my friends like, oh, I can't wait to take the picture again. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, we should, but we should have a. a like a requirement that if you don't talk to the brothers or, you know, talk to people of color when you in P-Town, you can't be in the picture. Ooh. There you go. <laughs> That'll cut the Some people will show up for the picture mm-hmm. and then you don't see them ever again talking to nobody. You know, wow. they, they come jump in the picture we're like, you know, but then when it's, the picture's over, they're gone, you know. Wow. Little snow bunnies or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, but yeah. uh, the Bear Week is a lot of fun. I'd mm. say, uh, go have fun. Yeah, yeah. You, if you can bring maybe two or three people with you, you know, because you don't even have to do all the bear stuff anyway. There's so much, you know, other stuff to do. Right, right, right. Yeah. Let me tell you something. Chris is seven feet tall. You don't know bring a couple people with <laughs> <Like>, himself. <laughs> Wait, By myself alone. Yeah, You're seven feet tall. Seven feet. Mm-hmm. Damn. hmm <laughs> Yeah. Like I said, it, it was so funny is that, like, you know, Derek, you're a hot tall six. Six five. Six five. And I know, Jay, you're, like, about six. Six five. Six five. Okay. Yeah, same yeah. Like, okay. yeah. And, and the thing of it is, I'm pretty sure you, you've gotten the questions when you go out and people come up to you, like, how tall are you? And yeah. What team you play for? You play basketball? You play basketball, football, both. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm like, no, I play rugby. And they're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, you know, it, it's the same with me. Like, have, I you played, have you played rugby lately? Uh, no, not this year. Uh, my back's kind of killing me, so I get that situated first. Okay. Yeah, that's, that, that's a real physical sport, man. <laughs> Unfortunately, the new Republican Act, which still has to go through will not cover your pre-existing oh, Jesus. Well, I'm okay because I'm living in Massachusetts and we had universal health care before the, the whole country did. How? We ah. We're good. How? <laughs> we, were the, we were the first state in the country to have universal health care. Wow. So, Is that why you stay there? <laughs> not really. I mean, I stay because, you know, I was lucky enough to get a place I can afford really decently. and But honestly, I, it, it kind of sucks here. So I will move one day. I just don't know where and when. I almost. I only ask, and, and I'm not. I'm not. I'm not putting it there just so you all. Know. I'm not putting that. I'm only asking because that place. Because I know you're not in. You're not in Boston. In in in, in Boston, Boston, are you? You're breaking up a bit. I can't hear you. I said you're not in Boston, are you? No, I am. Okay. I'm about ten minutes from downtown. Yeah, I've been, I've been to Boston a few times. That place is just really kind of racist. Kind of what? Racist. Oh. Yeah, but it's so the racism in the north and New England in particular is mostly like racism behind your back, racism. So it's often never. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. often never to your face like the south. Um. So like. Racism here is like, you know, not being called back for a job interview or mm. people living in segregated neighborhoods, stuff like that. Or a cab not picking you up at the train station. Yeah, that too. But since, yeah. so a couple of months, uh, what, last month, 
was one of the first couple. Like I lived in Boston my whole life, and I've never had to worry about being called nigger on the street or whatever. Honestly, because uh, I didn't live in those part of neighborhoods where that probably would occur, uh, mm-hmm. and there's really no reason for me to go there either. But it, this happened in the North End, which is a very Italian part of town. And I had to I had to think back of when the last time I was called nigger up here. This was last month, and I couldn't remember when, you know. So, but not to say that there's no racism because I don't get called nigger on the street here, but it's there. Mm-hmm. But it's it's just in a different way than somewhere like the South, mm-hmm. North Carolina, gotcha. or something like that. It's just very different. It's it's Mississippi, co- you know, yeah, Georgia. very covert. Because the first time I was ever called that was in the South. Um, and one lady did it. Actually, this was maybe a few months ago, maybe about a year ago. I came, I, I come into this bar. I sit down. I was alone, having my drink or whatever. And this guy says, "Wow, you know, you're pretty attractive for a colored guy." You know, so it's like, what do you, what do you? Of course, I responded appropriately. Was this a I game? Feel No, I said I, I, that would mean a lot coming from someone I respected. But I said, other than that, sir, you have a good night. And you know what I'm saying? Like, you, 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 you go through the motions. I mean, it, it happened to me here a couple of times. Was this a gay bar? I've only been to a bar. Yeah, gay bar. Oh wow! I mean, I've heard that saying where, wow, you're very hot for a black guy, and I'm go, fuck away from me. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, wow. I've heard that a lot of places, and I don't know why they think that's a compliment or supposed to be a compliment. But mm. I just, I you have to give it back to them. You give because them the same level of ignorance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like I said, and, and that kind of goes back to your initial question. Like when it comes to these pride events, when it comes to um, a lot of the issues, you know, um, in our community revolving around identity, like. Like race plays a part in that, and I mean, you know, yeah. being black and gay in this community in this scene, like I've seen racism up front and up close um, from folks within, you know, our own community. You know, even going to these bars, you'll hear that. You know, you look pretty hot for a black guy, and you know, like I mean, and I, and I'm not saying that when people say this, there's some kind of like undertones to it, but like I'm sort of kind of even bother when like a white guy comes up to me he's like do you have like a big black cock you know like that even kind of bothers me I, it, I, I, because it because it it, 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 it makes it you're just a fetish no listen <laughs> black dick not black cock but go ahead no here's the thing everything you said is 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 those little microaggressions yeah, there you go. Just because they don't realize that what they're saying is fucked up, mm. it is still fucked up. Mm. And I think what I'm going to do, okay, so I'm going to get two or three of my Onyx brothers to come on. Mm-hmm. And we will have just a show about where we can A, discuss exactly what Onyx is, and then B, you can hear a whole bunch of horror stories. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Black mm. bodies in white spaces, and mm. what Onyx has done over the last twenty years to kind of work that shit out. Yeah. Um, so, what about these black guys that say white boys own? Why did they come up? Mm. It works the same way. Uh, 
Because, yeah. <laughs> you know, the rest of this don't seem to bother yeah. me. I don't know why, but the rest of this don't bother me. But I get, I get damn perturbed when I run into these black cats that be like, oh, I only date white boys. And I'm like, what? Drug that your mama smoked. Oh, it's used to be that goddamn crazy. Many, many moons. Many moons ago, I was in a uh, performance group called A Real Read. We, we had a member named Keith, who was a snow queen. Um, and I mean, literally, he and it didn't. And, and the thing was, it didn't matter what kind of white guy it was. They just had to be white. And. We walked to, we finished rehearsal one day. We were walking to the L. And, you know, there wasn't a lot of conversation between the two of us because common, other than being in this group together. So he was kind of, you know, you know how people go to default mode. Um, but we got uh, to the L platform and I was going, I was heading south. He was heading north. And there was this group of white guys over on his side of the platform. Baby, when I tell you he perked up like somebody had plugged him in directly. <laughs> and I would always question him, why do you only date white? Why, why, I mean, what is it that you only do white guys? You don't, I'm just not attracted to black men. I'm just not attracted to black men. And so when I would ask him the question, well, how fucked up is it when you look in the mirror every day and see something not attractive? How yeah. do you deal with that? He could not yeah. understand what I was saying. Mm. So, yeah. how I feel about that, um, which is, is kind of, I have mixed feelings on it a little bit in, in certain ways. Um, when I first came out, uh, it took me maybe a year or so before I even met like my first white guy to do anything with, like a gay person. Um, so I never viewed as I never had one attraction to just one race anyway, because I feel like when I first came out, I was just trying to figure myself out and what I liked, what I didn't like. Mm -hmm. uh, most of the guys I first hooked up with were all thin and skinny. You know, which is completely what they're not now. Uh, but <laughs> um, so I started meeting black guys who weren't attracted to black people. And it used to annoy the fuck out of me. Like, I used to think they were like scum and, and disgusting, you know, that they would think that. And then, like Derek said, I would, you know, say to them, what do you see when you look into a mirror every day if you don't find black people attractive? You know, what does that say about you and yourself? <clears throat> and then I would meet the, the, the kind of snow queens who would sit there and talk shit about black people to white people. And mm. that would annoy me as well and shit like that. But then I started meeting a couple of black people who were snow queens. But beyond that, they were like completely woke. You know, mm. as far as... um like how they view the world, how they view race, how they see racism. And in my experience, most snow queens would, you know, bend over backwards to ignore racism and pretend it's not there, you know. But then I would meet a couple who were like, you know, have no problem speaking out against racism, 
didn't care about white people's feelings, didn't care about, you know, offending them if they were, you know, speaking up about racism and stuff like that. And I befriended a few of them, you know, mm. who, uh, which some of them are probably in that P-Town picture. <laughs> you know? Mm. Um, <laughs> but, but deep down, I think they're good people. And, and for some of them, we've had these serious conversation of why you feel this way. Mm-hmm. And the best that I can come up with is a lot of it could be with to do with hurt, some sort of hurt, trauma, mm-hmm. or some really negative experience that's kind of like made them see things differently and, you know, stuff that, I mean, it's hard to explain, but I think there's some real deep city seated, uh, like self esteem issues in some of them. And, yeah. And things like yeah. that. Sometimes I, I don't always hate them because sometimes I feel bad or I feel sorry mm-hmm. for some of them. And, you know, particularly the ones that I've befriended who do not sit around talking shit about black people in, in any way and never would and speak up about racism all the time, like constantly. Mm-hmm. And they get so angry, like right along with me when I get mad and I see racism and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I can't bring myself to hate those guys you know, mm-hmm. who, who yeah. do that. But you know, and then but then I also stop always worrying about what somebody else is sleeping with all the time. You know, I'm like, it ain't me. I ain't sleeping with them, and I don't care yeah. what they sleep with. As long as I don't see them debasing themselves in front of me, or you know, even if I'm not there, I don't want to see that. You know, that mm-hmm. you, you don't look at your own self worth and things like that. So I mean, I don't know. Sometimes mm-hmm. I I can't stand the fact that they do that, but at the same time, I still see them as people and with their own hangups. That's for them to figure out. Maybe one day they'll see it. But... Yeah. Hope springs eternal. <laughs> All right. Um, as we get ready to close this hangout out. Oops. I don't know what happened. Uh, does anyone <laughs> have any compliments, promotions, final thoughts, true confession? Um. I just recommend folks, if you haven't started already, uh, get into this um, second season of Sensate. It's on Netflix. It's, uh, I want to say it's 11 new episodes. And I'm like halfway in, and it's so good. It's, 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 it's better than season one for me so far. So, yeah, fuck with it. <laughs> Sensate, season two. Shaka, you got anything? Uh, yeah, I know you've uh, been traveling, but you should have an article or something in you. Actually, I'm glad, you, I'm glad you brought that up because, um, and this is, I don't know if I want to make that announcement here, but I'm actually taking some of that formula that I'm doing and I'm putting it in another forum. I'll just say that. So more, de- more details will come on that, but that will be all new material. With this one, the last one that I've done, I may do one more uh, because I've written what I think maybe I forgot maybe 26 or 27 of them now. I may do one more and that will be probably like, you know, that'll be it for that. But I'm going to recycle what I've done because all of the new content is going to be for um, the new like, the, like I said, the new form that I'm putting in, the new project. So more okay. to come on that. Cool. Xavier, got anything? You have to unmute yourself. 
I said nothing I thought was all that new. Still working on um, putting together some um, some of that relationship stuff, understanding where gay relationships kind of come from and why they take on some of the, the paths that they take that is uniquely different from oftentimes the path of our heterosexual counterparts. Jay, is there anything as our special guest today? First of all, thank you for coming. I do apologize for the technical issues. It is normally not this crazy. But <laughs> I, but, but, but when the computer allowed me to be here, I did enjoy having you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Was, is there anything coming out that you might want to promote or something that you're doing or being anything? Uh, no, not really, honestly. Ain't nothing really going on. Okay. <laughs> uh, I follow your Facebook. You always got something going. <laughs> but that's okay. Well, I mean, I don't, have any, I don't have any planned things. Like, I, you know, I post things spur of the moment and whatnot, but I don't have anything planned upcoming. I understand. Or, I mean, I started a, a New England Bears of Color Facebook group, mm. but that's for people who live in New England. Oh. Um, do any of y'all live in New England anywhere? No. no. We don't, but I maybe some of our viewers out there. Right. Well, if yeah. you do, look on Facebook. Uh, it's called... Uh, hold on, let me look. I forgot what I named it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, New England Bears of Color. So if mm. you live in the New England area, please go on Facebook and join the group. Uh, so, I mean, I have friends from all over the world, but for this group... I wanted it to be primarily for people in New England to have like real chances to connect with each other and go out and do uh, like movies, dinners, parties, or you know, just meet up, have fun, movie nights, whatever. So, I know, know a couple people I might be able to send your wife. All right, please. Um, let's see. As for me, just the usual popchuloradio.com, pop culture on demand. Check me out. We're starting our, we're doing our first recording for the American Gods uh, show tonight. And if you have not, it's uh, on Stars. Stars. Yeah. It comes on Sunday night at nine o'clock. Mm-hmm. Somewhere, somewhere in there. Y'all know, I I don't remember shit. Um, It's really, 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 really good. And the star of it is kind of hot. And he's not even there. That motherfucker is gorgeous. (laughs) I'm trying to figure out how I can get one of those for my Christmas list. Hey. Well, I do do have a couple pictures of him that I can send you. I have a picture. I want Uh, one. (laughs) <laughs> that you may not be able to find anywhere else. Apparently, he got caught up in a whole um, um, cyber thing where somebody managed to get a hold of one of his X-Tube sessions or something. What? Lord, Wait a minute. <laughs> I'm not even wearing my good pearls, but Lord. <laughs> <laughs> My vista right now. So yeah, there's a couple naked. There's a couple naked pictures of him out there, and I will simply say they've been real good about taking him down. But I have friends who are just whores. Um, and let me just say, in that situation, a pants. All right. And maybe a foot. Oh. Please join us again next week. 
uh, for the entertainment half of our Hangout series, which will be run by Mark Oestes. And I want to thank everybody for coming. Again, I apologize for the technical difficulties because, you know, I like being here with you. <laughs> Panel very much. And again, thank you, Jay, for coming up. And uh, thank you, Lonnie, who had to go meet people who couldn't bother to be here today and not tell me they weren't coming. The but I'm not going to be shady about that. The shade. The shade. Um, until next time. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and have a good day. Thank you for listening to the M3 Bear Essentials podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes or whichever podcatcher you use. And if you would like to get more content from M3, visit MailMediaMind.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Pinterest, and many others. But most importantly, our link to YouTube, where you can subscribe and get a notification when we go live. There, you can participate in the Q&A and be a part of the conversation. Again, my name is Malcolm Travers, and thank you for listening. We'll catch you next episode.